Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Incredible Friday Fry Show. Welcome to the Beautiful Butterfly Show, where we provide a platform to inform, inspire, and motivate our listeners. Presenting you with amazing guests from entrepreneurs, authors, music artists, poets, and more. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. everyone to the beautiful butterfly show i'm your host bianca fly i want to say happy thursday to you guys hope that this week has uh, been treating you well hope that you've been able to get a lot accomplished and set some goals um for the week and and hopefully you're getting those accomplished uh but nevertheless the beautiful butterfly radio show is brought to you by vibration radio that means you're listening to a show that's being broadcast globally. So big shout out to Vibration Radio for always holding us down. And uh, to our good folks over in Morero, Louisiana, at the shop on the West Bank. Uh, so if you're in Louisiana, Morero, Louisiana, to be exact, definitely go and uh, check out our people over at the shop on the West Bank for the best daiquiris. Chicken wings, fish, you name it in Louisiana. Um, they have a good time over there, so definitely go and check them out. Tell them B Fly sent you. And of course, to our friends in Kansas at Ambient Records, where the uh, CEO, Stephen Jerome Ferguson, um, is holding it down out there. So much uh, respect to you guys who uh, continue to support uh, the show and all the. It, endeavors and so tonight you guys we got a special guest who's kind of like part of the fam over here on vibration radio um i'm talking about no other than ramiel bay um and he's coming on and we're going to be talking about his book entitled protocols protocols um for interacting with a policy enforcement agent um and i'm telling you guys this is an awesome awesome book not just for men to read, but for young, old women, you name it, uh, because it tells you so much of 
your rights and, and rights that I wasn't um, aware of that we had and what happens if you're ever stopped um, by law enforcement, um, how things should go, um, measures to take to, to make sure that you return here safely. Um, as many of us have witnessed the, the travesties that have taken place more and more. Uh, these past uh, few years across the country, uh, we have seen um, good people, you know, die at the hands of, of police officers and never return back home um, due to altercations that they may have hit, had um, that led to either serious uh, prison time or death. Uh, so tonight, uh, Ramiel is on here, and we're going to discuss his book. And don't forget, if you guys have any questions or comments, uh, feel free to call in. The number is 347-326-9139 is the number. Uh, all you have to do is press 1 to join the conversation. Or as many of you guys like to do, uh, feel free to hit me up on Facebook at Bianca Fly. Send me your questions via inbox, and I will definitely love to ask your questions live here on the air tonight, folks. And so we're going to uh, not delay any longer. We're going to bring uh, the man of the hour on here. Ramiel, you there? I am indeed. Peace, sis. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? All is well. No complaints. No complaints at all. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you for taking the time to join me on the show tonight I, or this evening. I definitely appreciate it. Not a problem. Not a problem. If you hear a little background noise, you know, I'm at my shop, but I stepped out um, to be able to have this conversation. So if you can't hear me, I'm on the earpiece and you know, okay. just let me know and I'll adjust it and what have you. Okay. I got you, got you, got you. And so um, for the folks out here, um, this probably might be their first time um, hearing you speak. Hopefully not. Um, but for the folks out here, um, tell them a little bit about yourself. Um, and uh, I, I've learned so much uh, from Ramia over the past uh, few years here um, that I'm always uh, referring other folks like you got to connect with him because uh, he's always sharing just, you know, things that I wasn't aware of. So tell the folks a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, I'm originally, you know, I hail from Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, I'm, I currently uh, I'm in the uh, Oakland, California area. Uh, okay. I've been out here for about 10 years. Um, I teach, um, you know, within the community out here, uh, law, world history, and mm-hmm. um, world religions and spiritual practices. You know, everything right. that I do uh, as it pertains to that is about the empowerment of us as a people and, you know, right. saving our children, getting getting our households in order, you know, to be able to set a new standard for the next, you know, generation. Um you know, I've been uh, studying our history for, you know, well over 20 years. Uh, I am mm-hmm. a more Moorish American. Um, I've, I came into the understanding of my Moorish American heritage uh, a little bit over 10 years ago. Uh, okay. But prior to that, I was studying, um, you know, from the Pan-Africanist angle, um, okay. you know, uh, the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey, um, mm-hmm. uh Dr. Uh, um, John Henry Clark was, you know, one of my first mentors, not personally, but, you know, that was the first person whose material I studied him and uh, Dr. Ivan Van Sertema and, um, you know, several other uh, elders who, you know, blazed the pathway for us and who I'm uh, eternally grateful, you know, for. Um, So I'll, I'll digress there. 
Awesome, awesome. And so for the folks out here, I know they may be curious as to, because you referred to um, as Moorish American. Um, define that for us. Uh, what is a Moorish American? Uh, great question. So when we understand what um, or who the Prophet Noble Drew Ali was, Prophet Noble mm-hmm. Drew Ali was a contemporary of the Honorable uh, Marcus Messiah Garvey. So we're okay. talking about you know someone who was around um, during the early 1900s, um, right? And he brought back you know our identity, brought it back to the forefront of who we were prior to our great fall or what we what we uh, call our enslavement now. So prior to mm-hmm. that, uh, we were called Moors all over the globe, and that doesn't necessarily mean that all of the tribes identified. Um, at one time as Moors, but everyone around the globe of highly melanated skin was, was understood to be Moors. We called ourselves Moors, although we may have different tribes. You may have, you know, the uh, tribe in uh, Mauritania or the those under the spiritual system of the Ebri or uh, mm-hmm. what, you know, you, people call uh, um, Hebrew and things of that nature. But we were still all known and understood to be Moors. So right. when uh, Prophet Noble Drew Ali comes you know, about, he establishes the old Canaanite temple in 1913 and um, starts setting up us to get, you know, our, our nationality and birthrights back that were stolen from us, you know, during the time when we were colonized. And so that's, that's you know, we could go into the long history, you know, um, right. but that's what it entails, embracing who we were prior to, you know, us being taken captive and enslaved. Okay, okay. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And so uh, for you, what was it um, even 20 years ago that promoted or inspired you to study more um, of your history? Another great question. Uh, You know, interesting enough, um, it was the fact that I hate being lied to. Like, I can't stand being lied to. And so it it would burn me up, you know, in school or in whatever um, place that I was at. And my soul rejected the lies, you know. So I was one of those yeah. students who, um, you know, I was intelligent, uh, but I rejected the school system right. because it just felt like it wasn't for me, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It, it just really wasn't for me. So I would go around um, and I would bump into different historical shows and they would catch me, catch my attention. Um, but there was never no real outlet. There was no right. real outlet for me. You know, I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness. So about time when I, when I turned 14, we, was, we uh, went into being witnesses. Well, going through that really stripped me of everything. Wow. But because of who I am, I was always a person who um, I wanted to dig deeper. I was into research. If you tell me something, I couldn't take your word for it. You know, I had to go research. So when they told me that God's name was Jehovah, I went to my reference point at that time because, of course, when you come through those indoctrinations, um, you're taught that, you know, the Jews were God's chosen people and so on and so forth. So that was my reference point. 
So when they said, well, God's name is really Jehovah, and they gave the initials, I said, okay, well, I'm going to go to the library, and I'm going to see if in the library it says the same thing. This is how I'm going to do my checks and balances, and that was something that was in me from the start. The other thing that I give witnesses credit for is that they really do push steady habits, study. They, they really do push that. Right, if you right. say you're about something, get in that Bible and know it back and forth. And so I, I'm grateful for that, you know, because although it was, always, it was already in me, they brought it out more. Um, mm-hmm. I also, being a witness, um, I, was, I was speaking since I was 15 in front of crowds, you know, so they had what was called the theocratic ministry school. And so I would have to get up and I would have to give, you know, dissertations and speeches, you know, about uh, Bible history or whatever topic they would give you. And then they would actually grade you in, on a grading system just to bring out your greatness, to let you know, you know, your pitch power, uh, pitch power and pace, the three P's, you know, dealing with your delivery. And they would give you grades and say, well, you need to work on this, well, you need to work on that. So that was kind of, the uh, cosmological refinement process that I chose for myself because there's mm-hmm. no happenstance. You, you always end up um, in, in, in this existence. You always end up in the area uh, where you can do the most good and the most good can be brought out of you. Whether you embrace it or not is something different. So that refinement Absolutely. process um, is what I went through when I was younger. As I got older in my, in my uh, teens, um, late teens, early 20s, it just didn't sit well. Because I'm like, this doesn't make sense. I'm looking at the watchtower and they awake, and there's nobody in here that looks like me. How can you tell me that Jesus was in, um, in Africa, but you're showing me some pale people? Like, it didn't make sense. I'm like, people are pale. And this is before, you know, I really was studying, but I'm like, it just didn't feel right. So I right. went through some things, um, and then I ended up stopping, you know, stopping being a witness. And then... Um, I just was, you know, read here and there, but what happened, what really changed um, how I seen history is that, of course, I studied a little bit, but one day I broke it, I bumped into this song, or my cousin actually introduced me to a song, and the name of the song was Nature of the Threat by Rascash. You've probably seen me. I put that song up at least once a year. Yeah. And I tell people, listen to that. And it's called Nature of the Threat for the listeners. Nature of the Threat by Rascash. Universally studied that song. But when I heard it, it like busted my head open. It's yeah. a seven-minute song all about history. Wow. And I had never heard these things. Mm-hmm. And right after I heard the song for, probably, you know, a month, you know, a year or whatever, however long, I literally researched every single thing he said in that song. I researched right. it. So that was the first time I'd ever heard of Moors was in that song. This is, um, it had to be, what, this before, something was before my daughter was born. I think it was right around the time she was born. So this is either 2001, 2002. Uh, mm-hmm. That's when I heard about the Moors through that song. This is when okay. I heard about, um, uh, uh, who was it? Uh, goodness, Flavius Josephus and his, uh, his book, um, the Antiquities of the Jews. That that song brought uh, Flavius Josephus up. So now I read Antiquities of the Jews because in that song he said that that Jesus was described as short, uh, short, dark, and I think an underdeveloped head. That was the the um, 
the picture that how Jesus was represented and Antiquities of the Jews was supposed to be a book that was written in 66 uh, CE by a Jewish historian, and he is considered the most um, respected Jewish, you know, historian of Jewish antiquities. Mm-hmm. And so I read it, read it because of that song. They also talked about the origin of Christmas, which I'd heard, you know, uh, when I was a witness, but that song right. made me study it. Uh, they talked about, you know, the uh, what was going on and, and, and the fact that the, the, the Greeks and Romans were gay. So I studied it. They talked about Saturnalia. I studied it. They talked about Thanksgiving. That was really one that opened my eyes because they talked about the fact that Thanksgiving is literally the celebration of the fall of the Moors in 1492 when mm-hmm. Hawatu lost the last Moor stronghold in Granada and the Pope uh, and, and Queen Isabella and Ferdinand of the, um, who had then had the, the kingdoms of Castile and Aragon, which now we call, you know, Europe, um, declare at that time a day of Thanksgiving, a holy day of Thanksgiving. And then that's why you end up having a turkey, because the Moors who fell in Granada were, were Turks. They were Moorish Turks, mm. okay, as we would say it. And so now, in order to celebrate it, this is why you have the turkey, turkey to celebrate yeah. our fall. And so that, that song goes all into that, right? So wow. I'm, like, listening to it, and I'm just, I cannot believe it. I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. <laughs> right. You know, I'm just, wow. and I listened to it and listened to it and studied and studied. And then, um, to bring this part to a, to a close, years later, 10, 10 years later or so, my cousin, who I hadn't talked to in a while, he comes through, and he sees that I had just bought a book about ancient Egypt, and he was a mason. And he comes through, and he, and he sees the book about ancient Egypt, and he's like, what you know about that? So let me backtrack for a brief second. I was a person who I, I, was, I, I was well studied on the surface. So you could talk to me prior to this, and you could have a good conversation with me, and you may think I know some things, although I knew a little bit, but not much. Okay, uh, but you could have an intelligent conversation with me. So I, I read and things like that, but I wasn't living that lifestyle. You know what I mean? I wasn't living the knowledge that I knew. So he right. comes through and he's like, hey, you know, what you know about ancient Egypt? I said, oh, I just got the book, you know, I'm studying. And for three hours, he, can, he, he sits me down and he blows my mind for three hours with information. Like for three hours. just He's just rambling and talking. And I'm like, just my mind is blown. And then he says, you know, look up these people, you know, look up um, uh, Dr. Phil Valentine L., look up um, a couple of other scholars uh, who he says, and I looked them up. And so while I'm looking it up, I was going through some issues with my driver's license. So for some mm-hmm. reason, enter that into YouTube or something, and the Emir Taj Tariq Bey comes up. When, when Taj Tariq Bey comes up, this is YouTube back in 2009 where every mm-hmm. video was 10 minutes. I know you remember that. Right, where I do. You, you, a two-hour video had, had 200 parts. Had to parts, be compressed, you know. yep. Yeah, yeah, it's broken up. So part yep. one, part two, part yep. three, and it wasn't yep. no continuous play. You had to push the button right. yourself. You know what I mean? So I'm yep. watching Taj, and what happened was one of the most phenomenal events in my life. I've never, ever, ever, ever listened to anybody on the surface of the planet that when I heard them open their mouth, from the moment he opened his mouth, within two minutes, I was like, I don't know who this guy is. 
I said, but everything he says is true and genuine. And if it's not completely true, it's genuine. And wow. at that moment, my life changed because once I bumped into him, I said, I need to know who he is and I need to know what he knows. Because I knew he was telling the truth. It was like his integrity and his heart spoke volumes. I, and, and this is just on YouTube. I'm like, this man is different. Some, something's going on. You know, he, he, his integrity is speaking. His, his round, his, the way he speaks, um, he's not trying to push anything on you. He's not trying to make you believe anything. And that spoke volumes to me because I don't like the Baptist preacher mentality. I don't, I'm, that's not my right. thing. Right. And so with him, he just was talking. And I'm like, he's telling you the truth. I don't know what the hell he's saying. But whatever he's saying, it's the truth. And so that's what pushed me in. That's when I bumped into Moore's um, science. I heard right. about the Moors from Rascast, but I bumped into Moore's science through Miratah Street Bay around 2009, somewhere around there. And that's when I began to study up at 5 in the morning and just was relentless. As I'm still relentless today, just studying. I need to know. I need to get it. And so that's, that's how we get here today, was bumping into the Amir um, and, and just starting to study. Eventually he becomes, you know, my uh, personal teacher and a personal friend and a confidant of mine. Um, you know, years later, you know, I bump, you know, we meet. And it was, you know, um, he, he took me on as a student. So um, that's how we get here. Wow. Um, I have to ask you because I'm pretty sure that <clears throat> because you, you – you you have a lot of people who um, come on your page and, <laughs> and and pose different questions and 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 challenges, if you will. And so, for people who um, I guess are not familiar, they're not familiar with these teachings, they're not familiar with these practices. How do you introduce it to them? And, and is it? I guess is the initial process where people almost kind of take a step back and. And question like, well, man, what are you trying to tell us? Um, you know, how do you, because I know you teach other people. So do you teach those who come up to you, you know, or connect with you somehow who want to learn? Or are you out here, um, you know, just voluntarily teaching people? What have you found to be your method on educating people on the things that you have learned um, thus far? One of the, the most uh, beautiful things that I've gotten a chance to learn, um, and I say it's beautiful because it, it really deals with the vibration of love. Right. What I've been able to learn and sharpen my ability at is meeting people wherever they're at. Right. I don't need for you to be anywhere besides where you're at. Wherever you're at is fine. Let, and and my, my, my goal, my process is to first build a bridge with you based on love. You know, we're going to build the bridge based on love. We're going to, you know, so if you say something to me, for instance, you know, you you hear more say, um, you know, and talk about the fact that we're not black. Black is a crayon color. It's an mm-hmm. adjective. You mm-hmm. know, uh, it's a description of a noun, right? So you can't, you know, you can't be black as a nationality. These are just facts, right? However, if someone walks up to me and says, hey, how you doing, black man? I don't get offended. Okay. Nor do I stop to educate them at that moment. I don't do that. I'll say, how you doing, good brother? 
Why? Because I know that they're meeting me with love. They're, they're genuinely embracing me. They're not trying to insult me. So why am I feeling offended? That's, that's right. colonial thing. That's allowing right. colonialism to still divide us. So I've learned to say, how you doing? It's just mm-hmm. wild love. And we'll talk. And once we talk and we can, you know, have a foundation of the fact that we can at least, you know, have a, have a, a, a good discourse based on right. love and brotherly, you know, affection and, and as, it, as it pertains to non-arguments and, you know, adversaries and, and, and we're not in competition. We just, we just hear as two brothers, you know, having dialogue. Once we do that, then eventually the person will open up a dialogue for us to begin talking. And that's, right. how, that's when I talk. I don't right. walk up to people and say, you know, hey, Man, you know this, you know that. <laughs> I just, I just talk to you. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I'm here on this planet to do a certain thing. This is why That's I came right. back to teach. Right. So those yeah. who I'm supposed to come in contact with, they're going to come in contact with me. I don't need to right. force the issue. Right. Because I'm comfortable with my existence and I'm comfortable with my role on the planet. So there's no Absolutely. need for me to force it. Like everybody, I got to teach. I own a barbershop. Yeah. And so you come in my shop, you know, you're going to hear all types of music. You're going to hear everything. You're going to hear, you know, I don't deal with the slander of our women and stuff like that. But, you know, you're going to hear the same stuff that you hear in the club sometimes. You're going to hear, you know, some, some so-called conscious music. You're going to hear you're going to hear it. Right. Because I don't alienate myself. It's kind of like what, you know, um, the prophet Isa or who people call Jesus said, you know, you, you can't separate the people who need you, you don't separate yourself from them. That's right. You know, you can't get so good that, you know, I'm so conscious and I'm so awake that I can't go to the local bar and hang out with my people. I can't go to the park and, 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 and barbecue with my people. I can't I can't go over here because oh their vibration is too low. The universe is about balance. And when mm-hmm. once you add a balance you add a whack. So when you have these people who like Oh, you know, I just can't do this no more. I can't. You out of balance, bro. Mm. You got. You got. You supposed to be in the middle. If you're too high, you won't. If you're too low, you won't. God, right. if I can, you know, if I can speak that, you know, the way people understand that God is in the middle. God is not up high. God is not down low. God is in the middle because in the middle is where all things exist, mm. and that's where we're supposed to be. That way, Absolutely. when someone from down comes from a, a lower nature presentation, I'm not so high that I can't, you know, embrace you. Right. And I'm not so low that if you come with a, 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 um, a seven chakra, six chakra presentation, all this high science, I'm not so low I can't embrace you then either. I'm right, right. in the middle. So no matter what you say, it's all love. I got you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's how I, I, I teach people. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, and um, I, I wanted to ask you because tonight we're going to be talking um, about your book um, titled um, "Protocol," and mm-hmm. uh, with this one, uh, it talks about for interacting uh, with a policy enforcement agent. And so, um, as I said before the show started, um, as people can tell, over just over the, uh, you know, this has always been an issue, but it's definitely recycling itself to where it's happening more and more often, where um, a lot of situations have ended up deadly um, by individuals getting stopped 
by police officers. And so, and I talked about in reading um, your book, um, I think um, a lot of us, Ramiel, definitely don't know the rights that we have, um, you know, right. just just on a daily basis. Um, because for one, they're not going to, I mean, most people aren't going to put that information out there because some people don't want you to know <laughs> what rights you have and, and what rights, you know. Right. So, when it comes to this, and, and, and in the beginning of it, um, you talk about, basically you give us this rundown, uh, um, a play-by-play of the scenario, you know, if a, if a cop stops you and how you operate. One of the one thing that you mentioned was when being stopped, um, of course most people ask, well, what did you stop me for? And the police officer going to tell you why I t- Tail light turning wrong, whatever. Uh, but you also mentioned about asking the officers themselves for forms of identification. Um, me myself, I wasn't aware that you even could do that. And so, for mm-hmm. the folks out here, tell us why is it important to request that, and what types of identification should we be requesting? Should we get stopped by an officer? Okay, so let me do one thing. Let me clean something up um, okay. because we want to make this as educational as possible. Right. You'll notice that on the book it says policy enforcement agent. So let yes. me tell them why and, and, okay. and, and how that correlates to saying police officer, okay? Okay. Um, okay. That's, that's on purpose. An officer, by definition, in law, okay? So we want to remove the emotion and we need to remove the opinion from the listener, from myself, from you, from everybody. Opinions need to exit left, okay, because we're dealing with maxims and structures of law. We're not dealing with what a person thinks. What I think doesn't matter. It's what the law says. Now, an officer is an elected official who holds an office of public trust in good behavior. Mm-hmm. That definition is per your, what's called your Black's Law Dictionary, which is written by Henry Campbell Black. Okay. And that is the Law Dictionary, and you can use Henry, you can use Black Law or Bouvier's. Those are the okay. dictionaries that are used when you go into these tribunals or what you call courts. Okay. That is the definition okay. of an officer. So, is a, based on that de- definition, are they officers? I'm asking you. No. <laughs> Based on your definition. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so uh, when we remember when we say something, what we say, John one one. I'm sure you've seen me put that up before. Yeah. When I say John one uh-huh. one is one of your most important scriptures because it tells you something that we are not taught. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. Right. The word is God. What you say is. So if I say that you are an officer, that means that I put you in the position Mm. of an elected official. Okay. Which means that I've given you the authority to act as an elected official. I've given you that because I called you that. You didn't say it. Good day, officer. What can I do for you, officer? Why would you pull me over, officer? Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. gave you the authority right there. I just gave it to you. So that's number one. 
That's why it says policy enforcement agent, because we're dealing okay. with municipal corporations. A municipal, a city, by definition, a city, where you say the city of San Francisco, the word mm-hmm. city in law, in law means a municipal corporation. That's what it means, municipal corporation. Mm-hmm. So the municipal corporations have statutes and codes and policies. They uh, Then they hire security guards to enforce those statutes, codes, and policies. These are law facts. That's what happens. So I'm calling them what they are. It's not an insult. It's not disrespect. It's who you are, and that's okay. I don't call you who you're not. I don't walk up to someone who's not my mom and say, hello, mother. I don't call someone who's not my uncle my uncle. Right. So I call you what you are, and that's, that's why you have the title of the book, Interacting with a Policy Enforcer. They're here to push the statutes and codes. They'll tell you that all you got to do is ask them, well, did I break a law? Well, you um, um, committed this infraction or you broke this statute or this code. That's exactly what they'll tell you. Right. We just don't know the verbiage. Okay? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Now, to circle back and get back to your actual question, mm-hmm. the, the things that you want to ask for is their business card. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they're supposed to carry it. That's their, that's their form of identification. It should have their number. Mm-hmm. It should have their badge number, all of that on it. That's something that you can take with you. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to write it down. You want okay. to ask them and make sure you get their bond insurance. Now, most municipal corporations now, cities, i.e. cities, do not have the agents carry bond insurance. The, the, the uh, city now covers a group policy, okay? The agent still should know that policy number. Okay. Per the Constitution, they're supposed to have their own bond insurance. Now, the bond insurance, what it is there for, the bond insurance is in place so that when they do something wrong or against their office of trust or against um, their, uh, their, their, their sworn oath, the bond insurance acts just as your core insurance does. It's insurance mm-hmm. that pays out for their wrongs. Right. You need that number and the, and the agency, that's, what uh, that's why you ask for their bond insurance. The same thing they do when they say, do you have your license and registration insurance? Registration. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's going to tell them, that's going to tell you, oh, well, who carries your policy? Right. And what's the policy number so that when uh-huh. I, if I need to place a suit against you, this is who I will contact. Mm-hmm. You're also going to ask them for their nationality card. Because per the Constitution, everyone here has a nationality and is supposed to be represented by a nation. Okay. White, black, all those, those are not nations. You need to be able to prove you have the ability to do business here. Mm-hmm. This is business 
because the city is a corporation. Mm-hmm. The corporation then places fees and suits against you, which you call fines. It's business. So I need right. to make sure that you have the right to do business. That right to do business is also going to come through what's called your declaration of authority order. Per Article 3 of the Constitution for the United States of America Republic, 1787-89, Article 3 says that Congress establishes inferior courts to the Supreme Court, which means that in order to be a court, in order to be a court, you have to be established through Congress. So you should have a letter from Congress mm-hmm. saying that your tribunal or your court is lawful. Okay. If you don't, if you don't, then this is not a lawful tribunal. Mm-hmm. This is per the Constitution. Again, we're not, this is not my opinion. It says it. Congress has the power to ordain and establish inferior courts. So they need to show you that Congress established them, which Congress has not. So that becomes the issue. And the mm-hmm. policy enforcement agents are acting mercenaries, guns for hire, for these tribunals or what you right. call courts. They're going out taxing the people for the business and financial purposes and gains of the tribunal or the municipal corporation. This is how they generate their finance. So I need to make sure that you have, one, your card, your bond insurance, because if you, if you do something wrong here, I need to be able to sue you. Right. I need to make sure you have permission to even be doing business here. Your, with your nationality to make sure you're, you're a part of the constitutional fold of government, and I need to make, make sure that you're established through the Constitution. And the only officers are the sharifs, or what's called the sheriffs, which is the reason why you will see them run for the office of sheriff and be elected in. Those are your officers. Right. And that's established under the Republican form of government of the Constitution. That's why they run for office. So this is, so this is why you ask those things because now again you do everything in an intelligent tone. Of course. You everything. You know, hey. and you you'll say of course and I'll say of course, but you we've both seen some videos. I just seen one a couple of days where a person was just talking crazy. And right. You're, in a, in a, and you're not in a winning situation. Right. And, and you talk you about know. that as well, about remaining um, calm and, and not arguing, because a lot of times, especially, and I've seen it like right in person, you know, coming out of a, a club on a weekend and, and I, I don't know about other people, but in certain cities you go in, um, police officers are, are pretty much waiting outside for you when you come outside the club. You know, they 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 wait, and mm-hmm. and so I've seen the fact of when when that immediate confrontation hits, you know, 
we have some some individuals who like to argue, you know, with law enforcement. And you stress that they uh, humongously uh, or tremendously in this book about not arguing. Why shouldn't we argue um, with agents? Because you can die. I mean, I don't know if, if I yeah, even need to say yeah. anything after that. Right. But you right. can die. Yeah. You know, you can get shot. You may not get home. You may you may simply right. not get home. And your parents, uh, your siblings, your children, your mate may be mourning the loss of somebody. That's right. why you don't argue. The second right. reason why you don't argue, which is less important than that one, is that you don't argue um, the worker bee. You mm-hmm. talk to the manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. You don't go into right. McDonald's and argue with the cashier. That's just right. unintelligent people do that. If right. the cashier right. makes a mistake or is, is, is the customer service isn't right, you say, is your supervisor here? Right. So, in short, those are the three reasons. You don't argue with them. First of all, they don't know what the heck you're talking about. So, let's be clear about that. I'm, you're going to learn to do a whole bunch of things that they have no idea what you're doing. They right. don't know. They're not trained. They don't know what you're doing. You're not doing it for their benefit. You're doing it for your own. Okay, you're doing it because they are going to make a police report. And they're going to say everything that you said in the police report for the most part. Now, that doesn't, that's not 100% because some of them lie, okay? But <laughs> for the most part, they will say what you said because this is how they bring right. a case against you. Right. Okay, this is how they do it. So they bring a case against you simply by dictating down what happened at the stop, and then the DA determines whether what happened is worthy of them proceeding with prosecution. So they have to write down what you say. So you're giving a whole bunch of things to say and learn and understand so that when the DA sees what you said, they're like, okay, this person knows their rights. And this is not worthy of what we're going to have to go through to prosecute. So if you're giving this information to do these things for the exact same reason that if you, log, if you log on and you look at any of the videos for these agents now, when they're approaching anybody, the, one, the two words that they say whenever anybody says anything to them, is stop resisting, stop resisting, stop resisting. Why are they saying right. that? They're right. saying it for, the, for one reason. They're doing it um, for the reason that on video, if they're crowded around you and they're screaming, Mm -hmm. stop resisting, stop resisting, on video, they don't know if you're resisting. So it sets up the prosecution. Mm -hmm. So they're taught to say these things so that when it comes time to prosecute, you are resisting. And they can prove it. Don't you hear me saying stop resisting? He was resisting, evidently, as I wouldn't be saying, stop resisting, duh. <laughs> That's their training. Right. So you're being trained to know how to um, set up your seat the same way right. they're setting up theirs. One of the, um, and we do have a question here, um, we do, uh, from DeAndre uh, from Louisiana, he says, what happens, um, what what happens when um, enforcers don't respect your representation request? Um, so like you said, you you followed all, you know, you, the procedures and so forth. 
um, but they still, you know, pretty much just kind of overlooking what you're saying. Um, what should happen at that point? Do you just, you know, go like you said, you know, go along with it so that you can you can you can make it home. Uh, what what happens in situations where, um, you know, these individuals don't want to respect your representation request? Okay, great question. So let me ask you uh, a question. What's the what's the number the the first rule of law? The first the number one rule in the jungle. Number one rule. Survival. Mm-hmm. So this is a situation where your survival could be at you don't you don't argue. You say right. what you need to say, you get it on the record. Right. And then if they act in a fool, then you have to know when, when to acquiesce. Mm-hmm. Because you your your number one job is to get home. Right. You can deal with lawsuits with them later. Right. But your job is to get home to your babies. Right. That's your job. When I walk out the house, my number one job is to be there for my children. Right. That's my number one job. Right. It's for them to be able to see me later. Okay. I can be broke. I can be desolate. But my children will always be happy to see me. Right. That's my number one Absolutely. job is to be present. Absolutely. So with that in mind, you never put being present at risk. Right. You say what you have to say. If they act in a fool, if they don't want to listen, then at some point you have to make a determination of when to say, okay, I'm done. I've said what I needed to say, and I'm going to deal with this issue um, so that I can get home. Right, right. Absolutely. Six out of ten times they're not going to do what you tell them to do. Six out of ten. Right. Probably seven out of ten they're not. (laughs) So let's be honest about that. We're not doing something and all of a sudden, you know, in in, in many people's cases, okay, in most people's cases, um, the agents are not going to do what you ask them to do. You're not doing it for that reason. You're doing it so you can sue them later, not because they're going to do what you say. Right. And I I think I think a good bit of them get ticked off at the fact, especially if you are aware of your rights. I think that's mm-hmm. I think that's something that mm-hmm. kind of ticks them off even more. You know, it's one thing because they've stopped mm-hmm. you for whatever reason that it is. Now you're gonna tell me that you you know you're aware of your rights. Like I don't want you know. And so I think that's really in some people's situation what escalates you know, the situation because they're they're ticked off at the fact that you are aware, you know, of what your mm-hmm. rights are. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, they may not come across that every day. But um, a question from Odessa from Mississippi, she says, as we have seen in the media um, over the past year or two or so, a numerous amount of women have been put in these same situations where they are being pulled mm-hmm. over and aren't making mm-hmm. it home. Mm-hmm. What do we as women do? We follow these same seizures uh, because you know, as women, depending on you know, um, especially if you're married, we're in a relationship, our first mm-hmm. instinct, oh well, let me call my husband, let me let me call my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. You know, what what do we do um, as women in these situations if we stop? And and we may be stopped by ourselves, we may be stopped with our children in the back seat. Do we follow this the same procedure? 
Yes. And you'll see, as you've seen, I'm sure, in the book, there's an outline that tells women specifically how to deal with that because mm-hmm. um, we got to protect our women. So, you know, the thing that the sisters do is I tell them, you know, call uh, a man to come out to the scene for your protection. Now, these are discussions that you need to be having now. You need to be talking to four, five, six, seven men who stay in different areas around your city, and they, you need to have a protocol. Hey, if I call you and uh, if I text you and I put in this code, you need to answer my call. Because that needs, there needs to be something established that says, hey, when this happens, I'm going to call you if I'm over here. And this is the code. You answer now because I need you to come where I'm at because I need you to protect me. You don't know what these mercenaries are going to do. But then you got to, you know, talk to some men who are still operating, you know, with masculinity and, and who aren't going to pull out a camera phone while you're taking a beat down. You know, that's just what it is. We, but I digress on that. But you want to call a man to come out to the scene. But as a female, you have to understand your situation and you have to know when to acquiesce and leave it alone so that you can get home to your children. That's right. Because no argument that you have out there is going to be worth you getting a beat down and your baby's coming to see you in the hospital or at the funeral home. It's not worth it. That's right. Because these people don't, these people don't care. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the questions, um, and this one comes uh, from Derek from Atlanta, Georgia, Um, and he wants to know, how do we go about explaining these procedures to our teenagers, specifically our black males? Oftentimes, they are caught out alone uh, without an adult, unaware of their rights, and sometimes showboating just just to be out there in front of their friends. What do we, mm-hmm. how do we prepare and teach them um, for that? That's, that's a good question. Great question. Um, first of all, give them the book mm-hmm. and let them sit down and read it. Um, and then ask questions. Make them write a book report on it mm-hmm. that you read, you know, as their parent. Quiz them. You know, make sure that they understand how to de- de-escalate a situation. Make sure they understand who they are. Make sure they understand their rights. Make sure that they can speak in an intelligent tone and they don't get riled up. You know, um, Mm -hmm. make sure that they understand the situation. But you have to really purposely talk to them about this stuff. You have to talk to them. Right. You know, and and stop saying that thing. You know, we have, we have to stop saying that and teaching our children that they're in danger out here. We're casting Mm clear. Stop saying that. So true. So true. Oh, it's hard out here for a black man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is because mm-hmm. you said so. Yeah. You know, John one one. The word is God. We have to stop casting spells on our children. Right. But we do right. teach situational awareness. We teach situational awareness, but we don't cast spells. We're not fools out here. We know we see what's going on, but that ain't my reality. That's somebody else's reality. Right, And when they want to change their reality, they will. But my reality is that I don't come in contact with these people. These people don't bother me like that. And when they do, I'm good. My vibration is different. So we have to teach our children, well, if you come in contact with them, you speak an intelligent tone, and this is what you ask them. Right. 
and our children will listen if we are also walking that walk. Right, right. And, and we've seen that, um, and it goes back to, to what you were saying about not arguing, and we see that uh, through through social media and, and, and these video clips that people have recorded that, uh, and, and like I stated, most of us, well, from what I've seen, a good bit of them, as soon as they pull you over, they already have an attitude. They already <laughs> have their agenda set. Um, yeah. And so, you know, a lot of times uh, people don't realize by you, you know, if you come with that same energy, it, it expands until something different. Yeah. And so, um, but I, I wanted to ask you, um, at the end of the day, you, you have written this book. Um, it's out here for folks. What made you write it? And what is it that you hope that people gain from reading this book? You know, I, it's hard. You know, it it it, it reeks in my soul to see um, our children uh, getting assassinated, our, our women getting accosted. It, it hurts. Like it hurts. It it like hurts. And you know, I've taught several classes on it. I've done lectures on it, radio shows on it. And um, everyone was like, you know, you need to put it in a book. You need to put it in a book form. My mom was like, you need to put it in a book form. My mentor, you need to write write the book, you know. And I have a much, much larger one coming here in a few months on the same topic. This one was an introduction for those who may be new, um, but there's a, a much bigger one coming. But we don't have the resources out there, you know, and, and we need to do a better job of getting them out there. So it was my obligation to my people to write the book. I owe that I have a duty to my people, and that was, you know, part of me doing my duty, um, right. you know, for my people that way. And Absolutely. so, you know, I sat down, I wrote it, um, to, you know, to just do some good. You know, the book, what is it, 13 bucks? You know, so it's not yeah. costing you much, um, right. you know, to order it, um, ships right out to you, and you're good to go. And it's a wealth of information. I'll, it, it, it's only, what is it, 27 pages? Yeah, yeah. But everyone who reads it is like, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Because it's, it's and it easy, does. quick read. It does. And it makes yeah. it makes perfect sense. And, and, I lo- I, and I love the way you laid it out um, in, in layman's term, because sometimes, you know, we get lost in translation. Right. Uh, when people, yep. <laughs> you know, we, we, we get lost in translation when it comes to certain things. And so this book definitely lays it out in a structural way that you're able to understand. And it's, and it's even helpful when I go back to the people who had questions um, about their, teaching their kids, because mm-hmm. it gives you that role play. You can easily sit down and, you know, hey, this is me, I'm, you know, and I'm going to be this other person and, and show how the scene, you know, should play out or whatnot. Um, and so it, it definitely encourages um, a conversation. So I'm definitely um, right. encouraging you guys to definitely um, go out and purchase this book as well. And so um, Ramiel, with you, because you're you're always um, uh, educating, inspiring folks out here, in, in this day and time, people have, and it goes back to what you said, that what we put out here is how people perceive because we talked about how people say oftentimes say, well, our black youth are in danger, you know, and we're putting that out mm-hmm. into the atmosphere. Right. Uh, where now but people are believing that we are, as black people, we're under attack, you know, uh, right. we're, 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 mm-hmm. we're, you know, 
what what are your thoughts on that and how do we redirect that 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 conversation because at this time I feel like some people are so fearful with just that thought mm-hmm. in their head that they're just not able to process and think about other things. Um, so, so how do we get past that? How do we take those ideologies in our head and, and re- refocus them? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, the, the whole question is based on us operating in fear. Fear is the opposite of love. And we need to correct that, and, and, and that's a process of going within you know, our, our issue on this earth plane is spiritual. It's not physical. The spiritual is manifesting into the physical. We, we're not under attack. Our attack is from within, and that, that attack that we're going on, that's going on within ourselves, is manifesting into what we see in the physical world. We're, we're pulling right. that to ourselves. Right. We just don't know who we are. And, that, and we, don't, we don't know, you know, how the... You, the energies, the universal energies, our spirit, we don't know how it works. So right. that becomes an issue itself. Right. And right. so with that, you have all these things, you know, but we have to go within first. I tell people so one of the first things you want to do is start learning how to meditate. You got to learn right. that. You know, that's yes. going to calm your spirit. It's going to calm you down. You meditate and you pray. Those things go hand Absolutely. in hand. Absolutely. You know, when you, you, you pray first. After you pray, you meditate. <laughs> And, and, and that's how you do it. That in itself will change your life that's quickly. Right. Mm-hmm. Quickly, absolutely, will change absolutely. Your life. And we're going to take. Um, can start there. Okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Um, I was going to say we're going to take um, a caller that we have on the line. Um, um, caller from area code two eight one last digit six five eight eight. State your name and where you're calling from. My name is Reginald, and I'm calling from Houston, Texas. How are you doing this evening? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, I've been sitting here for the last, I see, 15 minutes listening to this entire conversation. I can honestly say this is the first time in a long time I felt like my head was about to explode listening to this conversation. And the reason why I say this, I'm originally from South Central Los Angeles. I grew up in the era of Chief Daryl Gates. And the things that we see taking place as far as attack towards, quote, unquote, minorities, this is nothing new. Law enforcement, is, law enforcement has been out on safari since Jim Crow. That's the way things are. We can, we can educate our children. We can educate them to the point where we tell them, hey, when you're driving, you abide, abide by the laws. Don't say anything flippant. Keep your hands where you where the law where where an officer can see them. And we've seen on we've seen on too many numerous occasions where that is taking place, and then something negative has happened. And what I would say to all minorities out there, men and women, that the first thing you should do number one, have a phone on you that has a camera on it. That's first. Secondly. Get you a license to carry a weapon to protect yourself. That that is that is that is imperative. Imperative. You you have to, because when you have somebody that's setting an example, that's sitting in the White House, that's basically that has he has no he has he has no no love or conscience for life. 
if someone is not of his complexion. This is a situation that we're in. Don't get me wrong, it's great to pray. I'm a very spiritual person, but at the end of the day, the reality is this is that you have to make sure once you leave your home that you take all the necessary precautions to protect yourself. We've seen too many people put in positions where they have done everything they have possibly could to be law-abiding citizens, to do what the officers tell them to do. They've either gotten mm-hmm. shot in the back, they've either gotten tased, or something else has happened. So it, you have to do things to protect yourself. And lastly, before I go, I want to say this. It's amazing. When, doc, when Dr. King made his speech in Washington, his whole dynamics and mentality changed because he's seen the things that were taken. See, thing. It's only so many times you can sit up and you can slap me on my cheek. It's so many, so many times you can turn the other cheek. You have to take action to protect yourself and protect your family. But I want to mm-hmm. thank you for both for uh, allowing me to call, and I appreciate it. And I want you to have a good evening, brother. Keep doing what you're doing. God bless. All right, all right. You, brother. Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, of course, um, for this, uh, for the folks who are, are tuned in, um, Ramiel, uh, because we want people to be able to get their hands on this book, um, tell people where they can go to purchase protocols. Okay. So where they can go to purchase it is um, – you can do it a couple of different ways if a person doesn't um, remember. They can Google uh, More Unity Clothing, M-O-R, M-O-O-R, Unity Clothing. They can Then at the bottom of that page, that's an online store, at the bo- bottom of that page, they're going to see the book and they can order it there. Okay. okay. That's the easiest way to do it. Um, I can give them the actual website. Um, if they have a pen uh, or if people are writing down, you go to Square, S-Q-U-A-R-E, up, squareup.com forward slash store forward slash more dash unity dash clothing. And you'll find the website, which is the same thing that comes up in Google, and you'll be able to uh, find the book at the bottom of the page, and they can purchase it there. Absolutely, absolutely. And um I, I have to plug um my my friend's uh clothing line as well. Um uh, an amazing clothing line uh that uh represents us. Uh, so he has some great attires, his back to school ties, so he has polos, he got T shirts for the ladies, dress for the ladies, um, all these great things. Uh, so definitely go yeah. and support him in all of his endeavors. And so, Ramiel, I definitely want to thank you for taking the time to come on here. I thank you for um, just your, your diligence in um, educating us and, and informing us because, like I said, you know, it's, it's it's one thing for us to walk around in our daily lives and the hustle and bustle of things, but it's another thing to be able to um, educate ourselves and, and be informed uh, when it comes mm-hmm. to different um, scenarios and dilemmas um, that may come our come our way. And so I definitely mm-hmm. want to thank you uh, for that, for taking the time out. Um, I, I definitely, definitely appreciate it. Uh, you got any final words or thoughts you want to share with the folks out here? Um, I'll say this in closing, you know, even in, in regards to, what the brother uh, came on and was saying, um, what he's saying is true. We do have to deal with 
the actuality of what's happening in our community. And we have to deal with the actuality and the reality of the situation. What we have to do a better job in is not continuously perpetuating it as if it's the truth and understanding mm-hmm. it's momentary. And it's momentary based on our reaction to it. And when we make a decision as a, as a people, as a person, to change the narrative within ourselves, once you begin right. to change the narrative within yourself, then you affect your children, you affect your mate, you affect your community. And what we've done is that we've taken on a huge victim mentality to where everything that happens, we say, well, they did this to us. Well, the person that you blame uh, for your downfall is the person who also is going to pick you up. And we know that uh, the, the, the current race of people who are our current attackers are not here to pick us up. So then we have to do our own due diligence, you know, to do this. It's going to be us that has to save our children. So when we walk around afraid, then all we're doing is playing into their hands. We can't be afraid. You know, our ancestors didn't live this life as if being here on this earth was all they had. Once we started doing that, then we started being afraid to actually die. Now people will pick up a camera and they'll see a woman getting beat, getting accosted, and they'll just record. Whereas as a man, there's, there's nothing more honorable than dying in the service to protect our women and our children. That's an honorable okay. death. Right. But what we've right. done is that we've, we've become so fretful, so scared that That's we right. allow them to just get, get beat in front of us like, oh, I'm going to record it. Well, Rodney King Absolutely. was recorded. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trayvon mm-hmm. Martin, no, 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 Eric Garner, that was recorded. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, the brother in Minneapolis, that was recorded. So they just showed us back in 95 that recording don't mean a darn thing. It don't mean anything. I mean, the, the, the Oscar, Oscar Grant was recorded when he got killed, murdered on the bark. That was recorded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not guilty, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. So at what point do we actually look and say it's up to us to change this narrative? That's right. I can't be afraid to be in my own community. And if, right. if that means that um, I have to die an honorable death to, to protect these children, then, then, let, then so be it. But that's got as a man, and I'm not speaking to our women because it's our job to protect them. It's our job to right. protect you all. But as a man, I can't walk around, you know, afraid. What is that? What am I teaching my children? What? 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 How? As a man, how is my woman supposed to look at me if I'm if I'm preaching fear? How does that work? We can't right. do it. So, you know, understand understanding our situation. But being content and fearful in it is what we can't do. We have to decide that, okay, I've had enough. And that's where the meditation comes in. That's where the study comes in. That's where, you know, uh, uh, tactical training comes in. When you actually want to do something that says, I'm going to make sure that as far as it depends on me, that me and mine are going to be okay. And so I, I leave with that thought, and I appreciate you, sis, for having me on your show. Absolutely, absolutely, my pleasure, and I do hope that you'll come back again uh, soon and, and talk with us. I definitely would love to have you back on, um, and, and definitely just appreciate your time. And so, um, I hope you have a, a great rest of your day, and uh, we'll be talking with you again soon. All right, peace and love, sir. All right, 
All right, you guys, that was Robbie L. Bay. Uh, you guys, make sure you go and check out our protocols for uh, interacting with a policy uh, enforcement agent. And so I'm telling you guys, it was a lot of things in this book that I wasn't aware of. I had no idea about. Uh, so I definitely want you guys to go and check it out if you have um, teenagers, um, because you guys know how we are as as, as teenagers. Uh, we think we know it all and, and all those great things. And so this is definitely a great tool to have and to share. And uh, I definitely will be um, posting the link uh, so that you guys can go and uh, purchase the book. Uh, but you can also go to um, squareup.com uh, forward slash more. That's M O O R, uh, Unity Clothing. Um, and there you can purchase not only um, from this amazing clothing line uh, made and produced by. Uh, Ramiel, uh, but you can also purchase this book also. So with that said, folks, we're going to get ready to get out of here. Um, I thank you guys so much for tuning in. For those of you who are on the phone lines listening, those of you who called in, sent your questions via inbox, I appreciate you. Um, as I tell you guys all the time, I wouldn't be able to have a beautiful butterfly show without you guys. So I just appreciate you and love you guys. And so we're coming back next week. Uh, with some more amazing guests uh, for you guys. So definitely be in store for that. And so with that said, folks, we're going to get ready to get out of here. I am Bianca Fly. You guys have a fantastic weekend. Be good. Be kind. Be all that you can be. 